In 2004, a small businessman in Maryland uh, had an idea as part of a local uh, arts initiative. He uh, distributed 3,000 blank postcards everywhere, public places, trains, post office, banks, just on the park benches. And the postcards invited uh, whoever found it to share a secret. And it had his address for the return. That was in 2004. His name is Frank Warren, and since then he has received over a half million postcards in the mail. People sharing their secrets with him. And he now runs the largest non-commercial blog in the world with over 850 million views. And every Sunday, he continues to post from the secrets that people continue to send him from all over the world. Uh, I've got his book, and this morning, let's go ahead and put up the first one, if you would, Joey. Um, as I speak this morning, I've got, I pulled um, about 30, very specifically, and they're just gonna be playing. As, uh, as I speak this morning. Uh, so I just want you to know that these are all secrets that have come through Frank. He has uh, several books, and his uh, blog is called postsecret.com and uh, Parental Advisory. I have carefully selected the, what you're going to see this morning, but some of the secrets are deep secrets and can be raw and even disturbing. Let's pray as we start this morning. Thank you, Jesus, light of the world, that you came into this world to bring light to our darkness. Light of the world, shine in our hearts this morning. We pray in your name, amen. One of my earliest memories is uh, my brother's room. I've shared with you, I was the youngest of four children. And so my older brothers, Tim and Terry, are seven years older than me. And then my sister Jody was two years older than me. And then I bring up the rear. And from my earliest memories is a piece of masking tape that was spread across the doorway to my brother's room. And little brother was told, never cross the masking tape. This is our room. And I can remember that because, of course, what did it make me want to do? Cross the tape, right? And there's, I have been fascinated, and I think that that was planted a seed in me that there's a, of secrets. There's secrets on the other side of the tape. And years ago, Matthew and I did a, a series, Matthew Birch and I did a series here in the auditorium on shame. And I shared um, really what had become one of the most important secrets of my life that happened when I was five years old. And um, my sister came to me and said, do you want to know a secret? I'm five years old. I'm in kindergarten. You want to know a secret? Yeah. And we crossed the tape. And she led me to a secret hiding place in my brother's room. And there, in the secret hiding place, were Playboy magazines. And my little five-year-old brain saw things that it shouldn't have seen. And it started for me 
a cycle of secrecy in which a little boy had his hormones and his thoughts and his natural sexual appetites that God gave him stimulated at a young age in ways that it never should have happened. And, but I knew that it was wrong, right? I knew it. It was shame. And it became the biggest secret of my life as I continued to sneak in and keep that secret. We're going to talk about secrets this morning. Because this, it, I, in my journey, my spiritual journey uh, of redemption and healing and salvation, I've had to deal with this whole idea of secrets. And it's, I've learned, I, I've just been fascinated by secrets. I've learned family secrets. I, I'm a, a hobby genealogist, and I've learned all sorts of secrets uh, that, from generations past and things. And I just become fascinated because I find that secrets are uh, very important in our spiritual journey. Now, not every secret is necessarily bad. In fact, I'm going to talk about five different kinds of secret this morning. And Joe, let's go with the first one, if you will. And the first thing we need to know, and just admit, that, that sometimes there are petty secrets. That's number one, petty secrets. So um, one of the things that Wendy has discovered about me is that uh, in this journey, as, especially as the youngest child, I, I still, to this day, like to have things that are just my own. I do. And as the youngest child who got hand-me-downs his whole life, I like to have things that are just my own. I can remember I have a memory at five years old. My parents got me my bike. First, Schwinn's Stingray. Remember it? Schwinn's Stingray? Anybody remember that? handlebars, you know, and uh, the big fat tire. But I was five, and my parents, of course, being Dutch, were like going, well, we gotta get it big enough so that he can grow into it, because he's gotta drive this for years. And so at five years old, my feet couldn't reach the pedals. But my brothers could. So I have memories of my fifth birthday watching my brothers riding my bike around the driveway. So I like things that are just my own. I like to have, and, and when he knows it, sometimes I just like to, I just like to sneak off for a cup of coffee. Nobody knows, just me, have a quiet time. And when he's like, she's last, but she recognizes it. There's things, that, and it's just a petty thing. It's like having a little something that's just mine. There's one of the post secrets that Frank um, posted was a petty secret from a kid who said, when I was a teenager, every time I mowed the lawn, I fertilized a big circle in the yard. To this day, my parents think it was aliens. <laughs> Petty secret. And then there are secrets that the second one I'm going to talk about is what I would call semi-private secrets. Semi-private. Okay? So, meaning that you have revealed it to somebody, but it's still held as a confidence. And that's a good thing. It really is. Uh, Proverbs 11.13 says, you know, it's a, good, a trustworthy person holds secrets. Some of you have shared your secrets with me. And I hold those in dear confidence. And as you share them, there are things that you have shared that you have dealt with. But there are some things that it's good to just hold in confidence. So they're semi-private. We've dealt with them. But don't necessarily need to be shared with the world. And that's okay. So there are semi-private secrets. 
But the three secrets that I really want to talk about this morning begin with what I call prison secrets. Frank Warren, in his book, um, has learned a lot about secrets as he has gone through this project. And one of the things that he always says is that sometimes we think we're holding a secret, but the secret is really holding us. That's a prison secret. My secret of, my, uh, of pornography in my brother's room that was a prison secret. I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't talk about it. And in fact, when I got into my 20s and I realized that I needed finally to deal with this secret, I'll never forget, I went, the first time I went to a Christian counselor, I was in my 20s and I knew that I had to deal with this secret because it was in the darkness of my life and it was holding me. And that first session, the poor counselor I think he sat there for an hour and I just sat there and I couldn't say anything. I was in such bondage to the secret. I believed that it was so shameful. It was so heinous. I was such an awful person that I just sat there and I went, and he'd be, the poor guy is like, so Tom, you know, why are you here? Well, I couldn't. I was held in prison by this secret that I had held since I was five years old. It's a prison. Ephesians 5.12, Paul says, we have, you know, that there are shameful, it is shameful to, to even talk about what the disobedient do in secret. That's kind of the prison secret. It's those shameful things that we just feel bound up we hold into the darkness. And what happened to me as I held on to this prison secret, because now remember, I became a believer at 14, but I still had this secret holding on to me. And so what happens sometimes when you keep prison secrets is it, it transforms into what I call a person secret. A person secret. So now I'm saying that I'm a believer of Christ, and I am. I believe Christ, and I'm, I'm saved by his grace, but I'm keeping, there's this, this prison secret that I'm still holding on. So what happens then is I'm living out to the world this idea of being a good little Christian preacher boy, but in the darkness alone, I still have this thing that's holding me in prison. So what do I do? I divide. And you talk to anybody who's been an addict, well, no matter what the addiction is, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or food or whatever it is, and they will talk about th this idea that it's like I'm, I become two people. I am the person that I am to the world and to my family and to people at work and at church, and then there's this shadow person. And, I, and then I just, bouncing, I become two people. I become this other person. And we have a hard time figuring out, what do I do with all of that? Paul talks about that in Romans, the seventh chapter. He says, so I find this law at work. 
Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin. The sin that is at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You see that? The two people. I'm this, this is what I want to be, but this is who I am. It's holding me prisoner. And in fact, uh, there is a punishment that the Romans used to give to certain criminals. Uh, Virgil, the historian, Roman historian Virgil talks about it. That some criminals would be, they would have a rotting body, dead body. And they would be basically, the, the criminal would have this body hung on them. And for weeks, they would have to carry this, this dead, putrid, de decomposing body around with them until the poison that is coming out of them and the fumes and everything would actually make the criminal sick. And that's kind of what Paul is alluding to here. Like, here I am, this person redeemed by grace, but all around, I'm carrying around this putrid dead body. I'm walking into church. Hello, good to see you. But invisibly, no one sees this dead body that I'm carrying in with me, to which I'm a prisoner. So I've got these two people, and how do I reconcile it? And Paul goes on. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Jesus came to free us from. He came to bring us the light and for that light to take the things that are in the darkness and expose it. Because here's the thing. When we are in darkness, things get skewed. We, the, we don't see things correctly. Things get blown out of proportion. When you're in darkness, the shame uh, explodes and you feel so terrible when you are in darkness. You think things are one way, but they're really not. You can't see the truth of what Christ has done for you. Uh, I remember a professor in college telling me about, he said that uh, when he was a young uh, boy, the local town bar, he would go in with his grandfather to the local town bar. And there was this woman that was one of the townies that was always at the bar. And he said, I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And she was so sweet to me, and I'd go in, and she would flirt with me, and it was so nice. And she said, he said, then, then one day, I happened to be in the bar, and someone turned the lights on. And I couldn't believe how ugly she was. What a spiritual lesson. We can't see it when it's in the darkness. So, Frank... Warren, another one of the things that he says he's learned is that there are two kinds of secrets. There are those secrets that we keep from others. And then there are those secrets that we keep from ourselves. As I began a very long process of facing my secrets and breaking out of that prison and admitting, I was introduced to a 
a process by a woman named Julia Cameron in her book, The Artist's Way. And it's called Morning Pages, really simple. Wake up first thing in the morning, and before your brain even has a chance to start, you sit down, you immediately go, and you open up your journal, and you write freehand, stream of consciousness, three pages. Doesn't matter what it just, you just start writing. Before your brain has a chance to, to wake up. For over two years, I did this every morning. My morning pages. Now, the rules of the morning pages are, you just write whatever comes into your head. Even if you're writing blah, 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 I'm so tired, I don't know what to do, I can't believe I'm up at this hour, blah, blah, blah. And there are a lot of mornings that it was just blah, 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 I don't know why I'm doing this, this is so stupid. But as I began to write, and I began to do it consistently, you know, I had always believed that this, this uh, addiction that I had to pornography was the, was the prison, the whole, one thing, and if I could just get rid of this, then my life would be holy and pure and whole. If I could just get this one thing done with. So as I'm, I am working the 12 steps and I'm going to counseling and I'm getting taken care of this, I start doing my morning pages. And in the morning pages, what I discovered is that all this stuff started coming out on the page. Fears that I didn't know I had. Anger towards my parents that I'd stuffed forever. Other secrets that I'd hidden so deep that I'd forgot I even had them. And stuff started coming out on the page. And all of a sudden, I'd be, all of a sudden it would be this blur. To, oh, I didn't realize that was in there. And I realized that this other person that I'd become had also hidden a whole bunch of stuff that God wanted to bring up and redeem. You know, it's really interesting. I've discovered that I was talking to uh, some parents of a teenager who's having some struggles. And what they discovered is that it's very common now, I didn't know this, but it's very common now for teenagers to have two social media accounts. They have the account that mom and dad know about and grandpa and grandma, and the one in which they present their good person to the world. And then they have a second account on Instagram and Snapchat or Facebook in which they're the real selves with their friends. Isn't that fascinating? What a picture. And, and the internet has allowed people to go out and create whole new personas and to be this one person on the internet and this other person in real life. One of the things that they're finding about the shooters that we read about all the time in El Paso, and in Columbine, what they're finding is that a lot of these shooters have a secret online identity that nobody knows about. It's important. Secrets hold us in prison and they create this, this second person. And as I began going through the, my morning pages, what the process over a couple years allowed me to bring up all of these things that God needed to redeem. It forced me to do what? To actually confront some old conflicts that I needed to confront. 
It caused me to be honest about some things that I was really afraid of. It caused me to deal with all my stuff. A couple of years in, um, morning pages, by their nature, there's some rules that go along with them. And one of the rules, of course, is that you don't read your morning pages. Isn't that interesting? You write it down, but you don't read it. You don't go back. You just let it be there on the page. And believe me, when stuff comes out, you realize what you need to deal with. But also that it's a secret. It's just for you. It's between you and me. And most often, my morning pages became a conversation with God about my stuff. And uh, a couple years in, a loved one broke into my room and read all of my morning pages. And I remember the conversations. Is this, is this true? Is this what you really think? Are you, are, did, did you really? And I can remember the feelings of shame that came over me. But also through that experience, something really freeing happened. Because I looked this loved one in the eye and I said, yes. This is, this is really who I am. This is it. It's all of it. Peel off the Dutch front. Peel away the veneer. These are my secrets. And I was no longer able to hide. I was able to say, here's me. So you can either take me as I am and accept that I am a sinner saved by grace, struggling to become more like Christ. Or you can walk away. And one of the things that I learned in that experience was that that Jesus, I had always thought of holiness as this thing that I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to be pure. I'm supposed to not do this. I'm supposed to, and it's the whole religious thing, right? But through this whole journey experience, I found that what holiness is, is taking all of this dark stuff and being honest about it and bringing it to the light and letting Jesus forgive me to the bottom of my soul. And it was then that I discovered what I had been singing all along. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved this dead wretch like me. I once was blind. Lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John, Jesus said in John 3, 19, this is the verdict, that light has come into the world. 
but people love the darkness instead. In John 12, Jesus said, I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. And when, when this, the other, the other cool thing about the morning pages for me is, is that as things came out of the darkness into the light of the page, there were so many times that I was able to just let it go. And I could see it for what it really was. I went, oh, wow, okay. And in exposing it to the light, and just admit it's there on the page, I could say, all right, Jesus, yep, that's there, let it go. And be freed of it. But it had to be exposed before it could be freed. The last type of secrets I want to talk about this morning are um, what I call poison secrets. Poison secrets. These are the secrets that are held by a system, whether that's a family system, whether that's a, a business system, whether whatever system it is, a marriage system, the secrets that are, that are held that actually poison the system because nobody deals with them. Now, one of the interesting things in my journey, so one of the secrets that I found in my journey uh, out of in my addiction with the Playboy magazines is I found that everyone in my family knew about them. Not, well, everyone knew, but nobody talked about it. That's a poison secret. Instead of confronting it and saying, you know, this isn't a good idea, everyone just kept the secret, and that perpetuated the poison that I then had to deal with. So poison secrets, one of the things that is coming out right now is in DNA testing, right? People are finding all sorts of things when they take a DNA test, like, the father that you thought was your biological father really isn't. I was reading this week online all sorts of stories. Families split apart. Why? Because dad isn't really dad. Dad is really uncle. Oh. Uh, finding secrets that dad is not really dad. Dad was a sperm donor. Uh, other things. Not really related. No biological connection. I was adopted. And this idea of, uh, wow, I'm not who I thought I was. And people are having to deal with this. Fascinating. I'd like to share as, uh, as this last point, the story of two women that I have met. Both of them believers, both of them daughters of Christ, both of them got pregnant young. Both of them had babies and were unwed mothers. One of them um, decided to keep the facts of the, the pregnancy and what really happened secret. And so um, years and years down the line now, um, the secret still exists. And child doesn't know that the person she calls daddy is really her daddy. And I watched, um, I just observed in interactions just how closed and shameful 
It was a time bomb waiting to go off. And I, 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 just, I just felt that. Do you realize what will happen when the truth comes out? And what did Jesus say? Everything that is secret will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Another woman, uh, Wendy and I have a friend who we were able to walk with as this person attempted um, to find, the, knew, knew they were adopted, uh, and Wendy and I got to walk through the journey of trying to find birth mother and birth family. Great experience. This person actually found it through the adoption agency and found when they had uh, connected with the adoptions, they see the adoption agency had said, yes, your mother actually has contacted us several times and said that full permission to expose and would like to meet you. It was going pretty fast. Long story short, this woman got married, had family of her own, but rather than keeping the secret, she told her family, grown up. The children all knew. And in fact, um, every year on the birthday of this baby who'd been given up for adoption, the woman and her husband and her children all gathered and prayed for this sibling that they didn't know. And when this friend of ours was reunited with the family, it wasn't a secret to be exposed. It was, it was a celebration. They had been looking forward to this day. And every year when the family got together to pray, it allowed this woman to experience the grace of her own family. To say, yeah, I blew it. I made a mistake all those years ago. And for the family to extend grace and say, we love you. And we're going to pray together. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. When I was uh, in my early 20s and um, was a youth pastor, I had uh, in our church, the, uh, they had a counselor that came from Des Moines I was in Marshalltown, and this counselor came from Des Moines, and he would counsel one day a week at our church. And if he had an open uh, uh, hour or somebody didn't show up, he would often come to my office, and he'd just sit down and we'd talk. And I got to know him, and uh, it was fascinating. One of the communities that he came to every week was Pella. And here I am. Now, I, I'd really never been to Pella very much, but he would tell me about all the different towns. And he said, he said to me, I'll never forget this. He said, Pella is the most mentally sick community that I've ever experienced in my career. Isn't that fascinating? I said, why? And he goes, there are so many secrets. There is so much hidden. And families and churches have held on to these secrets for so long and have kept this nice religious appearance for so long that now 
Everybody's sick, spiritually and mentally. Wow. And then God brings me to Pella. Now, I will tell you this. I think Pella's come a long ways in the 30 years since I had that conversation with him. I think God's done some amazing works of redemption. But here's where I want to leave it. If we are going to be the kingdom community, if God is going to bring his kingdom to Pella and we are going to, to be the sending that we've talked about now for years, one of the things that I believe has to happen is for us to own up to our secrets, for us to bring out of the darkness that which is hidden and bring it to the light in healthy ways. Not saying we have to make some big public proclamation, but we need to deal with our stuff, whether that's going to see a, a counselor or confessing. What does James 5 say? Confess your sins, therefore, to one another, that you may be healed. There's these all over the room today. And so here's where I want to leave it. I don't know what Holy Spirit wants to do, but I at least want to give everybody opportunity Maybe you have your own secret. And it could be just begin with just writing it down and bringing it to the light. So they're all over. There's in the back, on the tables, all around the circumference. There's some over here where the elders are. There's pens. Maybe you just need to take one of these with you. Maybe you need to mail it to Frank or mail it to me. Maybe you just need to write it down and mail it to God. I don't know. But I just want to give everybody the opportunity today to say, yeah, God, it's time for me to bring what's in the darkness has been there for a long time and bring it to the light. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you will, uh, yeah, you will help us to be honest and open and real with those things that are hidden. light of the world forgive us bring healing Lord I pray Lord that old things will pass away and new things will come I pray Lord that we might renounce the secret and shameful ways and step into the light we ask it in your name Jesus Amen.